So did you see that the lovely Kat Dennings got engaged today? I did not see that. Yeah, so Kat Dennings, as um, I mean, most people know her these days from her stars starring in the Marvel universe. She's uh, but she was also in Two Broke Girls and she's very uh, she's got, you know, she looks great. And she is getting married to party hard king himself, Andrew W.K. That's weird. It's a super weird pairing. He's like long hair and like crazy, like I want to say rock guy, but not even really rock more like like joke pop guy from early 2000s and he's marrying like this gorgeous actress i celebrities are so weird dude they are i i just like sometimes i see that celebrities are together i mean it's kind of almost a little bit like you know to bring this back to football temporarily because i'm sure we'll we'll go down the celebrity relationships rabbit hole but aaron Rodgers is engaged to shailene woodley and yeah you know that was kind of just like you know, you're just, I feel like I'm pretty, play, I mean, I'm very online, right? And so mm-hmm. I absorb a lot of gossip just from the internet and Twitter, especially, you know, things just sort of ping around. I feel like I have a pretty good finger on the pulse of, you know, the happenings in the world. And then some, sometimes something like this will just come out of completely out of left field. Yeah. And I'm like, what? how did those two even <laughs> meet? Like, how did they get together? And this Kat Dennings, Andrew WK pairing, definitely falls in that category yeah and another sports one justin verlander and kate upton yeah like i remember when justin verlander like got married to kate upton i'm like what the hell like what the hell man he's like this old pitcher for the tigers and she's like the most gorgeous thing on planet earth and yet there they go they, they uh that you know, one love finds think, a way love finds a way that one i think is that they're both from michigan or at least they both were in michigan kate upton inexplicably you would think you know supermodel probably grew up in like new york california yeah Yeah, southern california exactly you know california girls beach boys saying about it nope michigan michigan girl you know weird uh how about mila kunis used to date macaulay culkin for like like nine years yeah i do remember that one i did not remember that it was for nine years i yeah in my mind like when you said mila kunis and macaulay culkin i thought yeah i kind of remember that and that was in the middle of macaulay culkin's like nadir of fame like he was he was like in rehab Uh he hadn't worked in forever he hadn't sort of absorbed this like you know internet nostalgia revival that he's sort of gone through in the last couple of years where it's like oh yeah Macaulay Culkin like all the millennials that grew up watching Home Alone you know now are realizing that you're like 40 and we're gonna (laughs) we're gonna tweet about you and Instagram about you and you know all the beloved children's movies that you started in the page master I don't know if you ever saw that one I did not oh it's great it's got uh, Christopher Lloyd in it I had a page master computer game when I was growing up so good Nice. Uh, really good it, it's uh it's uh set in a library you know essentially and um i don't want to go down a page master track but <laughs> but it really good really good you should speaking, definitely check that out speaking of weird celebrity pairings how about 23 year old tom cruise for a spell in the 80s dated 38 year old share huh now that is that is weird you know what celebrity pairing is not weird patrick mahomes and Brittany matthews
Welcome in, everyone, to It's Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom, brought to you by Sports Illustrated's Arrowhead Report, si.com slash NFL slash Chiefs, or on Twitter at SI Chiefs. I'm Austin. I've got my script in front of me again today. I've been freelancing the last couple of weeks, which is why my intro sounded a little bit a little bit off, but I'm back on the script. I copied and pasted it into my doc. You can find me on Twitter at Real Bird Lawyer. That is an Always Sunny in Philadelphia reference. And here with me, as always, is my man Taylor Witt, who you can find on Twitter at Taylor underscore Witt. That is a reference to his real name, which is Taylor Witt. Taylor, what's going on? I'll be honest. Uh, last week when you went completely off book with the intro, I almost <laughs> reached back in the archives and copied an intro from a previous episode and just replaced it. And then I thought, ah, we'll, we'll, we'll go ahead and let him freelance if he wants. But I'm, yeah, I'm, little, glad, you're, I'm glad you're back on the rails because we need it. Sure. Well, you know, I'm back on the rails. I'm um, I'm ready to roll. We got a lot of news today, so you better keep your head on a swivel. You got to keep your head on a swivel, Taylor, when Brett Beach is in town because no he's always he's always making moves. He doesn't care that it's Thursday afternoon on no. May 13th, 2021, in the middle of the week, like two weeks after the draft, but before rookie minicamp. He doesn't care. That's he's where out he here thrives. When you least expect it, he's like the Spanish Inquisition, right? Uh, We have a couple of mailbag questions that we're going to get to in addition to all the news that we're going to break down. And then we're going to get to a schedule breakdown. Now, I think I might have promised our very loyal bird of war, Corey, before the artist chief, that we were going to do our John Gruden roast this week. And we're going to have to postpone it because I forgot that the schedule was dropping this week. We got to talk about the schedule this week because it's not going to be fresh. It's not going to be as relevant if we wait a week to talk about the schedule. It just came out yesterday. So we have to talk about it today. But next week, we will roast John Gruden. I'm putting it on the record (laughs) so that we are bound to it. That's done. We're going to do it. But first, Taylor, let's get into the (sighs) news. News, 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 news. So... I mentioned Brett Beach. I mentioned head on a swivel. I mentioned he can strike at any time. And boy, this one just came absolutely out of nowhere. The Chiefs made a trade today. They trade for Mike Hughes, cornerback of the Minnesota Vikings, formerly of the Minnesota Vikings, I should say. Now he's a Chief. 2018 first-round pick. He was the 30th overall pick of the Minnesota Vikings. And the Chiefs gave up almost nothing to acquire Mike Hughes. They will be giving up their 2022 sixth round pick. They actually have two. They have the Ravens as well, but they will be giving up their own sixth round pick next year. And they will be getting Hughes, a former first rounder, plus the Vikings 2022 seventh round pick. So they are essentially swapping sixth and seventh round picks and the Chiefs get a former first round cornerback. What's the catch here, Taylor? What's what's going on here? I mean, literally, even if Mike Hughes never plays a snap for the Chiefs, this is such a no-brainer that, I mean, there is no catch. There really isn't. He's, you know, he's got the ceiling. Yes, of course, uh, he struggled with his time in Minnesota, but, like, this is the type of move that Brett Brett Veach just thrives on. Like, he absolutely is at his best when he's looking at other teams and kind of going through their junk and their scrap pile and going like, Oh, I think I could use one of these and like taking it for nothing and turning it into Harrison Butker or Traverius Ward or Emmanuel maybe Ogba. Mike Hughes, Emmanuel Ogba, whoever it is. He's just, he just is a good scrapper. I love it. He is a good scrapper. And this is a, this is a scrap heap acquisition that could pay dividends. The chiefs uh, apparently liked him. In the 2018 draft, and we've had a lot of uh, of Chiefs draft Twitter that kind of had dusted off their Mike Hughes takes from 2018, a guy that certainly fits uh, the Steve Spagnuolo profile. 
um, that he wants to bring to the table. I mean, a guy that probably is best suited to play slot cornerback, which would presumably free up Legereus Sneed to move to the outside. And this is something that we've kind of been talking about, you know, where do the Chiefs see Legereus Sneed long-term, whether they see him as a kind of a slot corner, hybrid DB safety cornerback hybrid that can kind of play, you know, around the middle of the field, move in and out, you know, do some blitzing, which, cause obviously he's great at that. Um, or if they see him kind of as, as more of a, you know, full-time outside cornerback that can lock down the outside of the field. This maybe is a hint that they think that's where Legereus needs long-term future is. And they certainly are in a, a good position where, you know, he certainly, you know, if he, if he doesn't do well at that position, they could move him back inside. But Mike Hughes, a guy that, has struggled with injuries. That's really the biggest thing is that he's had a hard time staying healthy. The Vikings declined his fifth year option. So the chiefs only have him under contract for 2021, but they do get an opportunity to bring him in now before uh, mini camp, before OTAs, before training camp, give him plenty of time to learn the system and see if he can stay healthy and produce. And in a position group that the chiefs need some depth on. I mean, you sure. know, uh, we should bring up what this means for the potential reunion with Bashad Breland. Yes. Who, Recently, uh, you retweeted, he just said, well, there you go. And oh, so that, that kind of sounds like a guy that's like, well, I was wondering if I was going to come back to the Chiefs. And then, well, there you go. They signed or they brought in another corner. Yeah, they traded for a cornerback. You know, yeah. they they gave up now, granted, minimal draft capital. Um, I mean, we talked about Bashad Breland recently. I mean, we talked about him last week or the week before. A guy that really has just had really bad luck. He got his mega deal from Washington, or I think it was Carolina, uh, Carolina or Washington. I don't remember which one it was a couple mm-hmm. years ago and it fell through, had to settle for one year deals every year since then. And has been a pretty good player. And, you know, since his, uh, his first season coming off of that deal that fell through where he played just a partial season with the Packers, he's been pretty healthy and he's been pretty good. And you wonder if maybe the chiefs and Bashaw Breland have been talking There's no indication that anything was imminent, but we've heard that they were interested in reuniting with him for a while now, which makes sense because they, they had some need at cornerback and for him to say, you know, well, there it is. I, I don't know. That to me is almost an indication that they were talking and then the chiefs went and kind of pulled the rug out from under him. I hope that's not what happened, but I wouldn't be surprised if that were the case. Yeah, it would be unfortunate. I really liked breezy. I would have loved uh, and I still would love for him to, you know, come back in the red and gold. But until it does happen, you know, now you've got um, you've got a lot of pressure on Traveris Ward and Legereus Sneed. Um, some somewhat DeAndre on Baker. somewhat on seeing what DeAndre Baker's future is, because clearly, you know, he didn't get a long look before he suffered that injury last year in week 17. And we'll just kind of see what his development's like. That's another guy that. Veach pulled off the scrap pile, you know, for the first round yeah, pick yeah. that got cut Two because former, of former off field stuff. Yeah, exactly. And really, you know, I would say DeAndre Baker should have a little bit more um, hype, I would say, than, than yeah. his, you know, I mean, just because he wasn't cut because he was doing poorly. He was cut from an off field thing that didn't even turn out to be his fault. So, right. you know, Mike Hughes, it's a fun, it's a fun name to add. It's a guy that if he does well, everyone's going to be praising Veach. And if he doesn't do well, it's no harm, no foul. There was nothing given up here. It's going to be, you know, the chiefs are going to pick at the end of the sixth and the Vikings would have picked in probably the late end of the seventh, if they have a good year. Yeah, so, I mean, it's like 20 seventh. picks, yeah. you know, I mean, right. it's, it's, it's not a bad price to pay for a guy that was a first round pick three years ago. Not bad. 
Yeah, and I mean, we're talking about, I mean, once you get down to the sixth, seventh round, we're talking about guys that are, the hit rate there is extremely low. And so yep. whether you're picking, you know, at pick whatever, 240 or pick 270, it doesn't really make a huge difference there to the hit rate. It's a low no. percentage situation at that point anyway. So like you said, no risk, potentially high reward. Chiefs got a guy that they liked. We'll see if he can play. Another piece of news this week, and this is uh, pertinent that we're talking about this today because the CDC just this afternoon said that if you've got a vaccine, you no longer need to wear a mask for most activities, indoor, outdoor, eating in a restaurant, going to a concert, going to a football game. If you've got your vaccine, and if you don't have it, you should get it. If you've got your vaccine, you are good to go. And the Chiefs announced earlier this week that Arrowhead will be at full capacity this year, which is just incredible news. No more Derek Carr rolling in in week five and getting his only win in Arrowhead ever in front of a crowd of 17,000 or whatever it was last year, right? Like, that's not going to happen. That's that's not that's not what we're about anymore. It's going to be it's going to be full. It's going to be loud. You know that Chiefs fans that didn't get an opportunity to go last year with the reduced seating capacity and the increased ticket prices are itching to get back out there. I know I am. It's going to be great. Raiders fans are going to be stopped at the Arrowhead gates and they're going to say, I'm sorry, we are at capacity. And, <laughs> and that is, I mean, it's exciting. This is basically for all intents and purposes, this is kind of the end of COVID as, as we know it for the last 14 months that everything's been different and weird and shut down and, and people have lost money and all this stuff. I mean, this is the breath of fresh air of like, okay, this was the light at the end of the tunnel. A lot of people are vaxxed up. Everybody, if you are vaxxed up, you can go out and you can do your normal thing again. It's, it's very exciting. It's kind of a day that snuck up on me a little bit. I mean, they had kind of, you know, it had been a a slow burn, so to speak for the last couple months of, of more progress and more vaccine and stuff. And then now today it's kind of like, Oh, so we're good. Everything's going to go back to normal. So it's really fun. Um, obviously, everyone still, you know, be careful and, and get your vaccine and all that stuff. But um, I'm sports are one of the things that especially you and I have noticed and missed so much about this pandemic is just yeah. the, the lack of a sports crowd just takes so much juice out. Now, clearly still there have been some exciting playoff games and all that stuff, but it's just it hasn't been it hasn't been the same. It hasn't been even close to the same. And uh, this is now, this is getting, things are getting back to normal and it's super exciting. Speaking of getting things back to normal, going back to the past, Tom Bahali. And speaking of things that came kind of out of left field uh, <laughs> with the, the theme of the riff of this episode and our previous uh, segment, Tom Bahali, who only ever played with the Chiefs <laughs> and hasn't played in like four years. Yeah decided to officially retire and he signed a one day deal with the chiefs earlier this week to make that official that we all assumed was official a long time ago, <laughs> but it was fun to get Tomba back in the building to go through the pomp and circumstance of a, a really an all time chiefs. Great. Somebody that certainly will be in the ring of honor. I would expect when all is said and done uh, fun to get him back into the building let him get a little, you know, a little time back in the spotlight, say hi to Andy, spend a little bit of time with the the boys. Kind of a fun little deal. My boys, my boys. I, uh, I, I kind of wonder, this is a hundred percent speculation. Um, I guess as my lawyer, I should ask you if I should even say this, but uh, I kind of feel like Tomba went through a pretty bad dark spell kind of after his playing days where he was tweeting some really um, just kind of, 
bummer stuff on social media and was, was struggling and was reaching out to people and saying like, you know, I'm, I'm not doing well with this right now. And, and I think that maybe this was kind of a step for him to like, get back to hopefully I, again, pure speculation, but like a little bit of normalcy where he's like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to end my NFL career on a official capacity instead of just fading off into nowhere and no one saying anything. I'm going to, I'm going to go back with the chiefs and we're going to have a little party and it's going to be a a fun deal because Tomba was one of the all time greats in Kansas city, absolute ring of honor candidate. um, And, you know, just terrorized the AFC West for his entire time here. And, and I'm, I sure miss him on the field. And I think this was a fun little step for a guy that deserves a lot of pomp and circumstance because he was a blast. Yeah, 89 and a half career sacks, all with the Chiefs, three double-digit sack seasons. I mean, he was part of some really strong pass rushes, you know, in those yeah. early those early Andy years. Uh, 2013, Andy's first year, 11 sack season. He had a 14 and a half sack season in 2010. I mean, I think you're right. I, I We obviously, we don't know him personally. We just know him through social media and, and kind of the, the struggles that he went through there. But I hope that he is kind of on the right path. And it's always great to see, you know, no matter when they choose to kind of come back into the fold, it's always fun to have guys come back to the franchise and Mm -hmm. want to be a part of what's going on here. And I don't know that Tomba ever, you know, explicitly kind of distanced himself from the Chiefs, but it's just nice to know that everybody wants to be associated with this franchise right now. You know, whether it's current players, whether it's former players, whether it's not necessarily this year, but free agents, you know, whoever it is, right? Like they, the chiefs are a big deal. And, you know, Tomba was there with his kids, um, obviously for them to be able to come in, I'm sure they're all huge Patrick Mahomes fans. Who isn't Peyton Manning's kids are. That's right. You know? So um, it was, it was just, it was cool to see. And obviously a guy that, that totally deserves it. Um, good to see him get some recognition uh, on the other side of things. The mm. chiefs waived a number of players. It is a business. It is a business. Brian Witzman, a guard. We had plenty of those. He was let go. Tight end Sean Culkin, who was in the news for requesting his future salary in Bitcoin. I don't know if the Chiefs just, you know, didn't believe in it. They said, you know, we'll pay you in Dogecoin, whatever it was. They cut him. (laughs) They obviously drafted a tight end in Noah Gray last couple of weeks. Second Culkin we've talked about on the show today. That's right. That's right. And uh, I wonder if they're related. (laughs) And then Jordan Tayamu, pour one out. For yeah. a former XFL legend, a St. Louis Battlehawks, I know we've got some Battlehawks fans that listen to this podcast. <laughs> so RIP to Jordan Tayamu. He was a fantasy stud in our XFL fantasy league, our short-lived XFL fantasy league, right. dual-threat quarterback. Uh, he unfortunately was waived. Kind of a little bit of a bummer. I mean, none of these former XFL guys so far have done anything in the NFL, so he right. probably wasn't going to either but uh, you know it is what it is i kind of had my hopes on pj walker doing something with the, the panthers and he did get a start he didn't do anything with it but um yeah tayamu was a guy that we had talked about this before that when you lock in patrick mahomes for 10 years you're not looking for the next franchise quarterback you're looking for a guy that you can increase his value and flip him that's it's like a house right. market, you know, right. like you're you don't need your own house. You just need to go find houses that are a little beat up that you can flip them and make somebody else buy them. And that was kind of a guy that I thought maybe if Tayamu 
you know, kind of impress some people in camp or did anything like that, that the Chiefs might be able to kind of hype him up a little bit and then send him off for a, a seventh or sixth round pick or something. But obviously with them waving him, uh, doesn't sound like he's really able to uh, provide any value for the Chiefs. But yeah, that's um, that's a cut that it was just a little, it's kind of a bummer to see because I liked the idea of him on the roster a lot. Yeah, I did too. But you know what? The XFL supposedly is coming back. Maybe he'll get another chance. I sure start. hope so for our XFL fantasy teams. In other news, the Chiefs did sign their entire rookie class, all six players. They are all under contract as of today. Rookie minicamp starts tomorrow. We're recording this on May 13th. It starts Friday, May 14th. They're going to go through the weekend, Sunday the 16th. That's the mandatory rookie minicamp. You saw that a lot of teams and a lot of players, including Tom Brady, notably, were sort of urging players to boycott these things like minicamp so far no dice all the rookies are showing up for every team in the nfl they said who's this old man talking to us on the zoom we're not gonna <coughs> fuck tom brady <laughs> yeah we're gonna go we're gonna go to minicamp anyway following that they'll have otas organized team activities starting on may 25th they'll do that on three consecutive weeks may 25th through 27th june 1st and then june 8th so they'll have three weeks of otas to kind of start installing the offense and defense. And uh, then it'll be a little bit of a break until we get training camp at the end of July. Yeah. It's fun to just keep checking things off the NFL offseason calendar. Uh, every time something comes up, whether it's the draft or OTAs or, you know, any little, any little progress towards the season, it just always is kind of a little endorphin rush, like just a little bit of, okay, check that off, get on to the next one and bring me football. Now, I don't know if the Chiefs are going to make any more moves, but we had one more news nugget in the news this week. That is D.D. Westbrook, former Jacksonville Jaguar, uh, still on the free agent market. He tore his ACL last October and went on the IR for the rest of the year. Chiefs players supposedly were reaching out to try and recruit him. And we sort of talked about this after the draft. Obviously, the Chiefs drafted Cornell Powell in the fifth round. You know, a guy they take in the fifth round is not necessarily a guy that you would expect to immediately step in and fill a number two wide receiver role. And, you know, the Chiefs have still some need at wide receiver, I feel like. So this could be a fit, although at six foot, 180 pounds, he's still probably more of a slot guy uh, as opposed to an outside receiver, you know, more of a more of a slot. Um, You'd expect him to be healthy. He does have some connections to current chiefs he did go to oklahoma and was a college teammate with orlando brown jr uh at oklahoma they both played there at the same time so there could be a little bit of a connection there but um are you interested at all in dd westbrook i'm interested i mean i think that at this point it's not going to cost much and anybody that isn't going to cost much that has had a little pedigree of success which um he was fantastic at oklahoma absolutely tore the big 12 up and then you know is he's been on jacksonville and i don't really know what you can learn from a player that has been on that you know horrible of an offense for the last couple years exactly so i mean yeah it's it's a fun idea if we sign him i would be cautiously optimistic um i'm still holding all of my hope out for a julio jones trade so until that happens uh anyone else is really not a big deal to me at all but um yeah it'd be fun i'd be into it We're about two weeks away, by the way. So the June 1 designation is the date to pay attention to. June 1st, after June 1st, it essentially moves over to a a new year for the purposes of salary cap. So teams can cut players post-June 1st, and they can defer 
the cap hit, the dead cap hit, uh, essentially they could push half of it off to the next year. So for Julio Jones, who has a big cap hit, uh, the Falcons could shift some of that money around to next year and something for the Falcons that would be necessary for them to do because they have a bad cap situation currently. Um, I don't know that they've signed their rookie draft class yet because I don't know if they have the money under the cap to be able to sign their rookie draft class. They have like the fewest players under contract in the NFL. I read a couple weeks ago. I don't know if that's changed at all. They did bring in like 20 undrafted free agents because they cost nothing to sign. (laughs) Right. Um, But anyway, we'll see what happens with that situation. You want to do a mailbag? Yeah, let's do the mailbag. Little miniature mailbag here. We've got one first from our man, Polish Chiefs fan, PKS. Hey, man, hope you're doing great. Awesome pod last week. Love the Aaron trade analysis slash Denver roast, especially. Anyway, question for the pod. What are the weirdest things slash stats, et cetera, you know about the Chiefs? So Polish Chiefs fan was listening to our Berserk stats draft that we did a couple of episodes ago, which was a blast. We had a ton of fun with it. But he did call us out a little bit in our DMs privately behind the scenes (laughs) for not having any weird Chief stats on there, right? Like we... We went with, you know, weird franchises like the Detroit Lions, the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, we went, went with teams that were weird before the Chiefs even were a gleam in Lamar Hunt's eye. And so he wants us to kind of call out some strange Chiefs stats. So I'll go first. I've got one that we've talked about on the show before, but not in a while. And that's Stefan Page. So Stefan Page, as you know, Taylor, holds the Chiefs single game receiving yardage record with 309 yards receiving, which Ridiculous. is crazy. Third most in NFL history behind Flipper Anderson's 336, which is the all-time record, happened uh, just a couple of years after Stephon Page, and Calvin Johnson's 326 yards, which we both remember vividly. That was, you know, in our early fantasy days. Yep. So what's so weird about the fact that Stephon Page has 309 yards receiving in a game? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> First of all, it's one of only five 300-yard games ever, in NFL history, 300 receiving yards. It's only been done by Flipper Anderson, Calvin Johnson, Stephon Page, Cloyce Box, and Julio Jones. And at the time that this happened, it was only the second one ever. Cloyce Box did it in 1950, okay? Jeez. And then 35 years later, Stephon Page was the second guy ever to do it. And at the time, this was the most receiving yards in a single game in NFL history. So that's all pretty interesting. But the the berserk part comes in as we dive into this, right? So he got to 309 yards receiving on eight receptions, which is crazy. Stupid. No one's no one's ever come close to doing that. Okay. He was averaging like 35 yards per reception in this game. No one else has even come close. The second lowest reception total for a 300 yard game is 12. So he did God. it on a third fewer receptions than anybody else to ever get 300 yards in a game. I wish we had play-by-play data for this game. We don't because we don't know exactly how long these catches were, like what his reception yardage, uh, like what they were for each catch, but he got there in eight targets, right? So, or not eight targets, but eight receptions third. And this is the weirdest part of all. This was his first 100 yard game, (laughs) his first 200 yard game. And it was 309 yards. And it was his 48th career game. So he had played three full seasons. This came in his 16th game of his third year in the NFL. And his previous career high for single season or for single game yards was 94 yards in a game. And then one day he just woke up in week 16 against the Chargers 
1985, and he went out and got 309 yards receiving. And then after that, he won another 12 games without getting 100 yards in any of those games. So in his first 60 career games, he had one triple-digit yardage game, and it was the third highest receiving yardage total in NFL history. And at the time he did it, it was number one. It was the highest receiving yardage total ever in the history of the NFL. And that was his first triple digit receiving yardage game ever in his entire career. I mean, his first 60 career games. It's crazy. That is bizarre. That almost reminds me of like, like matching up with a team and they they're playing a guy down or something. And so like, you just feed a guy because they're the other guy has a broken leg and he's out there at cornerback or something like it just, it doesn't seem possible that a guy that had that little of success in going into that game would be able to set the NFL record for receiving yards. It's just, that's insane. Yeah, it is insane. And he really had, he had a pretty crazy career. Like he actually went on to have uh, one of the only 200 yard receiving games in Chiefs history. I think this game ended up being fifth or sixth all time in receiving yardage. But in 1990, five years after his record breaking performance against the Chargers, he went out and dropped 206 yards receiving against the Denver Broncos in 1990. Dropped a couple of tutties in that game as well. Had a 163-yard game for us. He had a 151-yard game for us. But this 309-yard game, 103 yards better than his next best game in the NFL. It was his first triple-digit performance. Very strange. Very bizarre. Stephon Page. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Um, I would like to talk about running backs rushing for four or more touchdowns in a game. Okay. So that has happened a grand total of 49 times that a running back has scored four or more times. Obviously um, Alvin Kamara on Christmas day set the NFL record with six rushing touchdowns. He's the only guy to do that, but 49 times the guys scored four times. So of those 49 times, there were four instances where that happened in the same season with the same team. So there were, I'll talk about the other three instances before the chiefs, there was uh, Ladanian Tomlinson. Everyone knows the great charger. Great. He scored four touchdowns in week five and week nine of the 2006 season and his record setting ridiculous. One of the most all time great fantasy seasons ever. Uh, and then D'Angelo Williams of the Carolina Panthers scored four touchdowns in week 12 and four touchdowns in week 15 of the 2008 season for Carolina. Oh. And Sean Alexander, another great touchdown scoring machine for Seattle. He and Priest Holmes had that great battle for most touchdowns in the season. He scored four touchdowns in week three and six of the 2005 season, where I believe he won MVP, if I remember that right. Yes. Um, so then you get the Chiefs. So that was the only three other times before the Chiefs that a team had a running back score four touchdowns in the same year. And then the Chiefs went out against the Atlanta Falcons on Mm. October 24th, 2004. And Priest Holmes and Derek Blaylock said, you know what? We're both going to do it. And they became the only tandem in NFL history, obviously because of how absurd it is, to both rush for four touchdowns in a game. The Chiefs won 56-10 on eight rushing touchdowns. Priest got all four of them in the first half. Derek Blaylock in the blowout led the way in the second half and scored four more times on the ground. And it was just an absolute ass kicking. And, you know, scoring four touchdowns is very hard to do if it's only happened 49 times in NFL history. And to have two teammates do it on the same day in one half, each of them in one half is just 
it's insane and crazy. And, and one of those records that I, I mean, we'll never see teammates both score four touchdowns in a game. I would imagine that's a, that's crazy. Never. Although when it comes to the Falcons and their ignominious records, we should probably never say never. I mean, this was a team that Good had point. a 20, 28 to three lead in the Super Bowl and lost, you know, just, they, they have a penchant for, being a part of these historical moments of them getting their asses totally beat in. So, you know, never say never. Maybe we'll have one (laughs) where Clyde Edwards Hilaire and I don't know, Daryl Williams (laughs) four touchdowns in the game. We'll see. That'd be dope. We've got one from uh, Drew at Weiss Baby, uh, who I think is a first time question asker for the pod. So we appreciate you listening in, Drew, and appreciate your DM. Question for the pod. Do we know what Kalechi Osimile's status with the Chiefs is? I know we have guard depth now, but dude was a beast before the injury and could be cheap. So his status is that he's a free agent. And mm-hmm. I have not heard anything since he had like kind of a, a miniature viral Instagram post back in, I think it was January, where he was rehabbing pretty hard. And obviously he had, you know, doubled knee surgery essentially um, last October, I think it was. Yeah. So for him to be hitting the rehab pretty hard, obviously impressive. The guy's a warrior. Um, I mean, there was some talk almost that he could like come back in the post playoff run. Like, I mean, he was, I dreamed about it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. He was gearing up for it for sure. I mean, the chiefs do have a lot of depth and they specifically have a lot of depth at guard as Drew points out, but you know, we kind of talked about this in one of our mailbag questions last week or the week before offensive linemen are really valuable and they get to be even more valuable in training camp when teams start to lose guys to attrition, to injuries. Mm-hmm. You know, you just, you can't predict injuries. The The Broncos already have lost their purported right tackle, Jawan James, for, you know, he was working out away from the facility. They've already lost him. They, they thought he was going to be their starting right tackle this year. He's oh, out for the year. He's out for the year. And, you know, Training camp is when teams are going to be desperate for offensive line help. We kind of mentioned, I think when we discussed it before, the Chiefs swapped Parker Erringer, who wasn't going to make the team, for Charvarius Ward a couple years ago. And they acquired Martinez Rankin a couple years ago for Carlos Hyde. So yeah. if Brett Veach has, you know, Colecchio assembly on the roster and he can't use him, he can't carry him because we've got too many guards, he'll find a place for him and he'll find some value for him, whether it's a uh, a bottom of the roster piece at say wide receiver, somebody getting squeezed out, you know, there have been really deep wide receiver classes the last couple of years and really deep undrafted wide receiver classes the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be terribly surprised if, you know, there's a guy in training camp that the chiefs maybe liked that they weren't able to bring in for whatever reason. And they flip an offensive lineman for one of these wide receivers or, you know, one of these cornerbacks on another team, just like they did with Trevorius Ward, wouldn't be surprised at all. So, so, you know, if he's healthy, bring him in. So you're saying sign Coletio Simile, flip him straight up head to head for Julio Jones. That's I, what I'm saying. That's exactly I love right. that plan. You got <laughs> I, it. And, you know, another thing about camp is that it's also a place where you evaluate talent. And there could be some teams that are looking to make a little noise this year that realize like, oh, our offensive line kind of sucks. Like, yeah, we, you know, we brought these guys in and they might still be healthy, but they might be like, man, we really need to like go out there and and bolster this up now that we've seen them play and realize that they're a freaking sieve out there. So, sure. yeah, it uh, it definitely is a good time for a guy like Veach that's always looking to make a move, always looking to, you know, maximize value out of all of his guys uh if he wants to bring in 
if he wants to have 15 healthy, desirable offensive linemen on this team, like that's nothing but good news for the Chiefs. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you, the more, the more the merrier, honestly. And especially after we saw what we saw in the Super Bowl, you know, sign them up, bring them all in. That brings us to the climactic conclusion of this episode, which is to discuss the Chiefs 2021 official schedule. It was leaked yesterday through many torturous hours. And then we did finally get an official video starring X Factor Dante Hall and a director's cut special variant starring Andy Reid, which was just fantastic. Oh. It literally oh, was just a challenge, super, a super cut of we look forward to the challenge of playing <laughs> so X team. If you haven't seen that, go check out the Chiefs official Twitter page. It was a masterpiece, mm-hmm. especially for week six when we were playing the Washington football team. Yeah. We found a clip of Andy saying we look forward to the challenge of playing a good, a good football, football team. team. I know it was so <laughs> oh, it was good. Perfect. It was so good. So we're going to go through the schedule and do a very early kind of week-to-week breakdown of what we see the first 17-game season in Chiefs history going like. And that starts with week one at home against the Cleveland Browns. What are you thinking about this game? Well, first, I would say that um, last year I predicted a 16-0 regular season. The Chiefs obviously went 14-1, and and then the last week didn't matter. Um, I am as positively optimistic about this team as most people that I talk to. I think that they are a vast overmatch for 90% of the NFL. Uh, So I just want to get that out of the way because you'll notice a pattern in my picks. Um, Mm. I love the matchup with the Browns as far as like juice for the opener. I think that that's a really fun, you know, you got, you got Baker and they added Jadavion Clowney to the defensive line. And they're, you know, they're trying to see if Odell Beckham's back to his giant self. And I mean, there's a lot of hype surrounding the Browns as there has been for the last two years. And as there continues to be hype around the Browns, the chiefs continue to put them in their place. They did in Mahomes uh, first year and they did in the playoffs last year. I think that this is another chance on uh, opening week for the Browns to remember that they're the Browns and the Browns is the Browns or whatever Browns the, is the Browns. Is <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You said, yep. Yeah. The Browns so is the Browns, you know, so, I mean, I love the matchup. I think it'll, it could be a close game. You got Kareem, you got, you know, a lot of, a lot of juice here, but still like the chiefs. Yeah. I like the chiefs as well in the home opener. It's important to note as we go through this early schedule that Patrick Mahomes has never lost in the month of September. He's 10 and zero in his career. He's never lost a single game in the month of September, again, undefeated 10 and 0, a 100 winning percentage. He's never lost in September. Pretty good. And this game is in September. He's never thrown there, a pick in September. Therefore, touchdowns, zero picks. Therefore the chiefs will win this game. Uh, it's, it's amazing how much smoke Browns fans want yeah. after a game where frankly, they were getting their asses handed to them yeah. until Patrick Mahomes got knocked out with a concussion on that goofy read option that they ran where he just got smoked and then Chad Henney beat them <laughs> on third down. And then again on fourth down and boy, I, I don't know. I mean, I get it. They had a good draft. They've had a good off season. I like what Andrew Barry, their general manager is doing. Kevin Stefanski seems like a pretty good head coach. You know, they've, they put together a good squad, a talented squad, but man, I just, um, the chiefs are so good in September. They don't lose. Patrick Mahomes has never lost. I just uh, I can't see the Chiefs dropping this game. And this will be a theme as we go through kind of these first three games in particular. 
are pretty tough. The Chiefs schedule Very overall, tough. I would say, is is much easier, it feels like, than last year. This is kind of a front-loaded schedule, and I'm all for it because the Chiefs are so good at the beginning of the season. Like they they will come out with their new little bag of tricks. Teams won't be prepared for it. They will smoke the early part of their schedule just like they did last year. Although, to be fair, they smoked pretty much everybody last year. But it's going to be great. Can't wait. Chiefs over the Browns in week one for me. Week two, we're traveling again to Baltimore. This is going to be the Chiefs' first primetime game of the year. It's It's on Sunday Night Football at the Baltimore Ravens. I would assume, unlike last year, that there are going to be fans in attendance. Yeah. I think there were fans last year, but just a, a greatly reduced cloud. Yeah, a greatly Actually, reduced Actually, no, nah, I feel like I remember replays, was it empty? and it was completely empty. I think it was, was it? completely empty. I think it yeah. might have been. Yeah. That was I in week was. three last year. Yep. It could be. In any case, they're, they're going to have, I'm sure, a little bit more of a home field advantage than they had last season. But, man, I, I mean, of the three times that the Chiefs have played the Browns, last year's game was the most one-sided of all. Like every the Ravens. time, yeah. yeah, the Ravens. Yeah, that's what I meant. Sorry, I said the Browns. That's right. Every time we play the Ravens, it, it seems like, you know, the first game was really close. The Chiefs obviously had the miracle fourth and nine play. Yeah, they almost beat score. us. They almost beat us. We had to score on fourth and goal. The Chiefs had to convert to send that game to overtime. Mm-hmm. It got a little bit dicey in overtime. I mean, they had a chance to win it, obviously, with the fumble, and then they had to, you know, go down the field and win it anyway. But Then the game in 2019, the Chiefs won pretty handily. They were way up at the half, and then it got pretty close at the end. Lamar made a couple of, you know, ducks that turned into touchdowns or, you know, that could have been offensive pass interference, whatever. It doesn't matter. The final score of that game was pretty close. The Chiefs only won by six. And then last year, you know, the hype was building. Lamar was coming off of a unanimous MVP. He was a unanimous MVP. Everybody voted for him for MVP. And, you know, the Ravens had a great draft again. And uh, they've, they've made so much progress. Like, they're finally ready to take on the Chiefs. They just got their asses blown out of the room. Like, they just got destroyed. The yep. Chiefs crushed them. That was probably the cleanest game that the Chiefs played all year last year. Yes. With the exception of maybe the Bills game and the AFC Championship game. You know, like, the Chiefs just won. Yeah, even the Bills game started dicey. That Ravens yeah, game was just – they just yeah. smoked them start to finish. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was, like, that one little lull in the third quarter where the Chiefs fumbled in Ravens territory, and they kind of let them back in the game a little bit, but they still won by two scores on the road. And, I mean, it just wasn't close. And so I don't want to hear any more narratives about how the Ravens are ready to compete with the Chiefs. I'll believe it when I see it until they show that they can actually beat us. The gap just seems to be getting wider every single time. So I'm taking the Chiefs. Agreed. And, you know, there's the Orlando Brown situation there where that's a lot of fun that they sent the Chiefs their – the last – infinity stone that Thanos needed in order to complete the gauntlet. Like they sure. just, they just sent it to us for, for nothing and, or not for nothing, but yeah. Uh, I love the, I love the early season, big matchup. Like you were saying six of the first nine of the chiefs opponents were playoff teams last year. And only one of the remaining eight were playoff teams last year. So it's extremely front loaded um, Sunday night football. It's a lot of fun. NBC it's going to be, it's going to be rocking in Baltimore. And I just, you know, the chiefs are three and zero against them. They probably will not uh, go undefeated in the Mahomes era and the, and the Jackson era, but you know what? The way these games are going, the trend they're going, they might. And I think this is another chance for the Chiefs to show that they're a primetime team. We've run some numbers in the past about how the Chiefs have put their A game forward in primetime in general, and this will be no exception. Agreed. 
moving on to week three, the Chiefs are at home again against another all off season hype team. You got three all hype teams in a yeah, row. Nice. The Cleveland Browns, the Baltimore Ravens, and of course, week three, the Los Angeles Chargers. Buddy, this is peak Chargers hype season. We're in May. And it's just going to build and build and build until week three. They're probably going to come out (laughs) and win their first couple of games. People are going to be all over Brandon Staley. They're going to say he's the coach of the year, Justin Herbert, MVP, et cetera. And then the chargers are going to come to Arrowhead and what's going to happen, Taylor. They're going to get clown dicked like they normally do. (laughs) And you know, they're just, uh, they're just kind of a joke and it's fine because they're not the Raiders and they're not the Broncos. So they're still kind of my favorite team in the AFC West other than those two, but like, man, the hype machine on these guys is, is as much of a NFL meme as there gets. I mean, it is just, it's a joke. It it honestly is. And they're going to start off the year against the football team and the Cowboys two winnable games for sure. So you're absolutely right that they could be coming into Arrowhead, you know, riding, smelling their own farts at two and O and thinking that they're just going to two NFC East teams. (laughs) Exactly. Right. And then they're going to realize that as much as they like Justin Herbert, he still ain't Patrick Mahomes and they're still going to have to uh, contend with Mahomes and the chiefs twice a year until Herbert gets out of LA. And so, yeah, um, I think that it's a fun matchup with them for a lot of reasons. I think that that's kind of anytime someone like attempts to take the torch from you that they're like, you know, they're like, Oh, this is our year and stuff. It's really, really fun as the team on top to be like, no, bitch, sit down. Like, yeah, You're not, this, this ain't your party. This is our party. And that's another example where, you know, the chargers are as they, they blow so many games in so many spectacular ways. I would love if this game, if they get up huge or if they have a field goal, like a chip shot field goal to beat us late and they miss it or something like if they charger it up, I'm all for it. I just want, I just want the dub. Yeah. All in. This is going to be uh, an interesting game because this will be Justin Herbert's first time playing in Arrowhead at capacity. Yeah. Uh, fully loaded. You know, the fans torqued up in early September. Uh, it'll be a fun game. And good luck to you, Justin Herbert. Week four, Chiefs are traveling to Big Red's former home, Philadelphia, baby. The Philadelphia Eagles. Go Birds. Go Birds. <laughs> not this, but no. not this week. No. Go Chiefs this week. Um, this is going to be an interesting game. I I mean, I like kind of what the Eagles have done. I guess they're in a rebuild mode. Devonta Smith uh, paired with Jalen Hurts. You know, those were their draft acquisitions. They're kind of building around Jalen Hurts. Nick Sirianni is their coach now, who I, I got to be honest with you, I had not heard of. Uh, he was the Colts offensive coordinator, but not calling plays because that's what Frank Reich does. So, you know, um, you know, they could have hired Eric Bieniemy. They chose not to do that. They chose to hire Nick Sirianni, and um, good luck to him. I, I don't know what to <laughs> he, say about this he, game. He had that hilarious opening press conference where oh, he so just bad. looked lost. And um, yeah, I mean, yeah, they, they only yeah. He said like, "We're gonna we're gonna make <laughs> we're gonna make it hard for them to know what's going on, but it's gonna be simple for us." And they like asked him, you know, like to give an example. He's like, e- "Yeah, we'll just it's, it's gonna be simple for us. We'll teach just them. Trust me." <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Dude, yeah, and, they, trust me. <laughs> and they only won four games last year. They're clearly, um, you know, they're far gone from the days where the Eagles were a uh, perennial playoff team. And yeah, I mean, they just won the Super Bowl the year before the Chiefs. Yes, or exactly. Two years no, before. two years before. But yeah, yeah. But still, I mean, they I were, mean, they've been there very recently. And it, then it was not that long ago. 
and, and now really, they're a dumpster their, fire. Their collapse was kind of all due to Carson Wentz not end up being what they thought he was going to be. So they've got Hurts. They're they're a fun team. It'll probably be, you know, it's another road game. It's a noon kickoff. And the, the bright lights aren't going to be shining on the Chiefs the way they are most of the time. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's kind of a classic, like, Chiefs don't take them seriously enough. And, like, Andy spent the night out eating cheeseburgers with all of his old Philly friends instead of – <laughs> prepping for the game or something sure. but i mean i you know i still expect the chiefs win but i don't know if it'll necessarily be as lopsided as maybe what these two teams looked like last year well i wouldn't be surprised because they are going to have to look ahead to some extent to week five that's going to be their fourth pretty tough matchup in the first five games yeah if we're including the chargers in there another former playoff team from the afc last year and a former playoff opponent of the chiefs course is going to be an AFC championship game rematch against the Buffalo Bills this one will also be at Arrowhead it's going to be on Sunday night football boy this one will be fun another team that just seems to want all the smoke yeah but in their case I feel like I get it like you know some of these other teams I kind of laugh at especially the Browns but like the Bills are a damn good football team and that's fair and they're starved for success I mean they after losing those four Super Bowls they probably you know thought they would never win anything again now they've got this exciting young quarterback they've got Stephon Diggs they brought in Manny Sanders so you know they're going to really be stretching the field there even though they lost John Brown I mean some of these players are a joke but um yeah I mean I like the Bills I think this will be one of the toughest games of the year certainly it's a home game which helps but uh and especially a capacity Sunday night football home game at Arrowhead I mean that's just that's as spicy as it gets um but yeah I I love the Mahomes Allen um I don't even want to call it a rivalry it's not a rivalry until one guy beats the other guy at least once but it's fun Yeah, it is fun. It's going to be a good game. That one will be a fun one to go to. You know, Bill's Mafia will travel. They'll be there in the Arrowhead parking lot, jumping off their cars onto tables, etc. They've had a good offseason, too. Um, They certainly added their first two draft picks were both pass rushers. That was something that really kind of did them in against the Chiefs last year. I mean, this was, you know, the last game before the Super Bowl. It's hard to believe, given what happened in the Super Bowl. But the Bills just couldn't get any pass rush going against the Chiefs in that game. Mahomes just sat back and picked them apart. I mean, he had all day. He was hardly ever pressured in that game before Fisher went down late in that game, and the Chiefs kind of coasted. I mean, they did get down to a 9 to nothing lead or whatever it was, but they came back. They were in complete control of that game at halftime, and they never took their foot off the gas in the second half. So will it be more competitive this time? You'd think so, but – Again, until they prove that they can hang. I mean, this is a team that the Chiefs beat twice last year. Yeah. So, and you think Sean McDermott's going to be kicking any short field goals like he did in the AFC Championship game? Probably not. Probably not. And he shouldn't do that. So, you know, best of luck to the Bills. If they're going to drop a game, this would be my pick. I think sure. of all the games on the schedule, this is this is probably if it's not the hardest game, it's definitely in the top two. Week six, the Chiefs are going to Washington to play the football team. That'll be an interesting one. It's a uh, it's an Andy versus one of his former protégés, Ron Rivera. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick against the Chiefs. Hell yeah. You may remember one of Ryan Fitzpatrick's performances against the Chiefs when he was a Jet. Mm-hmm. It was very, very bad. He turned the ball over six or seven times or whatever it was, maybe eight. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's – you know, Fitzmagic's such a weird entity in the NFL. He's a guy that, like, 
hasn't really done much, but also is extremely popular and, and his peak is pretty high, even though his Valley yeah. is, ext- I mean, they always say fits magic or fits tragic. And that's really, there's no better representation of that than just his up and down performances. And uh, I really hope we get fits tragic instead of fits magic, but um, I'm a little, you know, they got, they got Terry McLaurin, they got some fun pieces in Washington. I think it could be a game. It could be a game. He, um, against the chiefs the last time, by the way, had eight turnovers. He had six interceptions and two fumbles. So it was not a good performance for him. The last time he played against the chiefs as a member of the New York jets. We'll hope for more of the same this time. They do have a pretty spicy defense. That defensive line is pretty good. And you know, if there's one concern that I have for the chiefs in their early season schedule, it is that this offensive line is new. They're all new. I mean, the the one downside to turning over your entire offensive line is that offensive lines, as we've talked about before, do benefit from continuity and yeah. they do benefit from the communication and just the just the continuity, the this the the gelling that you get when you play next to a guy for you know a full season or two or three or four seasons. And these first six or seven games, the Chiefs are not going to have the benefit of that. They're going to be going up against some pretty fearsome pass rushes. The Browns obviously have Miles Garrett, although Jadavion Clowney may not be giving them much on the opposite side. The Chargers, obviously, with Bosa, although they don't really have a, a second guy that you really necessarily fear. But this Washington team, of all the teams that are playing here in the early season, you know, while this offensive line may still be kind of coming together, this is the team that would scare you because they have – just a murderer's row of first round picks on that defensive line. Chase Young, like you mentioned, I mean, they can really bring it. And they they signed Kendall Fuller. You got a little bit of a, you know, revenge game narrative there, I guess. Although, you know, he got a ring with us and then he he made bank with the, the football team. So I doubt he's going to be upset with us. Would have been fun was, if this was Alex. Yeah, it would have been fun. It would have been fun for sure. But it's going to be fun with uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick as well. Yeah. Week seven, the Chiefs are traveling to the Tennessee Titans. This was the last game that they lost in the 2019 season was a road game at the Titans. They did not lose after that. This was the first game after Mahomes came back from his injury in 2019. And it was a barn burner. The chiefs lost 38 to 35 in a game that they really had no business losing some goofy special teams plays late. Uh, some the fumble some six. busted plays, the fumble six, which was a total fluke. I mean, just bouncing. The Chiefs had a ton of offensive line injuries in this game, including Mitchell Schwartz. This was the game that broke his streak, his snap streak. Um, It just was a weird game. The Titans were obviously a playoff team last year. That's why the Chiefs are playing them, but they don't seem like they're going to be nearly as strong this year. They've, They've definitely lost some talent on both sides of the ball. Their defense last year was putrid, and they did draft Caleb Farley in the first round, you know, pretty good cornerback if he can stay healthy. They've made a few additions to their defense, but this is still probably a below average defense. And it's an offense that really runs through two guys, AJ Brown and Derrick Henry. And if the Chiefs can find a way to stop those two guys, they're going to win this game. And the last time they played Derrick Henry in the AFC championship game in 2019, they they stopped 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 the hell out of him. They held him to 69 nice rushing yards on the whole game, and they just didn't even – he wasn't even a threat. I mean, he really is – for a guy that takes over many games, he certainly did not do that in the biggest stage that the Chiefs and Titans have played on. Um, I think that this in general 
isn't a game I'm super worried about. I know the Titans won 11 games last year, made the playoffs and all that stuff, but I just feel like uh, I feel like the matchup really favors a Chiefs team that likes to get up and down, and they've got a defense on the Titans that doesn't really seem interested in in preventing the Chiefs from doing that. So, you know, if the Titans want to try and hang with the Chiefs, try and score 35-40 with them, like, good luck to you. Go for it. That'd be a fun game. Uh, I don't quite think that they've got that in them. I think the Chiefs are going to score a lot, and the Titans will maybe try and claw within 10 in the fourth quarter or something, but uh, I don't see it being super close. I don't either, and I see it being even less close the following week, week eight. Chiefs are going to be home against the New York Giants on Monday Night Football. This is a kind of an odd choice for Monday Night Football, but the Giants are obviously they're, – they're New York. They're a major yeah. media market. They get ratings. Uh, they – Added a lot of weapons this offseason. Dave Gettleman traded down for the first time ever, and he liked it so much that he decided to trade down like three times in this draft. Yeah. They added a couple of wide receivers, Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Toney, but they didn't really beef up their offensive line too much, and their quarterback is still Daniel Jones. This is going to be his third season. Is he going to break out? Maybe. Um, you like to be playing him in week eight, because if he has taken a step forward, at least the Chiefs are going to have some tape on that. And if he yeah. hasn't, then <laughs> they don't have anything to worry about. This game's going to be a route. Hell, if he hasn't taken a step forward, it might not even be Danny Dimes at this point in the year. I that's mean, com- they, you know, it's a good point. But have you seen their quarterback depth chart? It's probably still going to be Danny Dimes. <laughs> good I don't point, even good know point. who their backup is, but it's it's literally somebody you've never even heard of. Nice. I love I it. I can't even name it. Yeah, um, the Giants are, you know, one of those NFC East teams that, like all of them have struggled a lot lately. I think anytime those four games come up on the schedule, uh, I guess Washington, that I'm, I'm a little worried about that. But the other three games, the um, Cowboys, Giants, and Eagles, I feel pretty good about the Chiefs' chances in all of those games. So, yeah, um, give me the Giants Monday Night Football. It'll be kind of a kind of a ceremonial slaughter type of situation, and I'm all about those. Could be Mike Glennon. That's their backup quarterback. So, which I have heard of, of course. Yep, you have, you have, and Joe Webb is the third stringer. So, you know, um, former Patrick Mahomes teammate, right? That's right. Uh, yeah, I think that is right. I think he transferred away for that was Davis Webb. You're thinking Davis? Webb. Yes, Davis I am. Webb Thank was you. one of the many quarterbacks that Patrick Mahomes chased away from Texas Tech, I believe. Yes, is, is correct. That's right. Along with Baker, so you know we'll see a couple of those guys. And Davis Webb was a giant, so you're you're not off base there. I thought I, so. I think they did draft Davis Webb, and now they have a different guy, Joe Webb, probably his brother <laughs> or his dad or something. Who knows? Who knows? There's no way to know that information, but we do know who the Chiefs are playing in Week Nine. It's the Green Bay Packers. It's not in prime time, but it is a short week for the Chiefs. They're coming off Monday Night Football. They have six days to prepare for the Packers. Fortunately, they do not have to travel. They'll be staying home at Arrowhead. This game, obviously, I'm, I don't even feel like we should waste time breaking it down because we don't know what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, if Rodgers is playing, it'll be a hell of a game. It'll be maybe the toughest game on the Chiefs' schedule. When I said Bills was top two, this was the other game that I was thinking of if Aaron Rodgers is playing for the Packers. If he's not... Chiefs are going to win this game easily, and that will roll into week 10. They're back in primetime, Sunday night football at the Death Star in Las Vegas against the Las Vegas Raiders. 
How weird is it that you just got to week 10 before mentioning the Raiders or our other idiot AFC West rivals? Well, we play the Chargers, but yes, but the other other two. You said AFC West rivals, though, and I don't consider the Chargers to be an AFC West rival. I consider them to be just like, you know, they're 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 like a friendly next door neighbor that, you know, right. Let's you just come over and take a dump on their lawn whenever. Right. (laughs) And this Raiders game, of course, starts the stretch of seven of the final eight teams not being playoff teams. So, and a lot of that is because four (laughs) of those eight games are against the Raiders and Broncos. But um, this is a fun one because we're starting at the Raiders this time instead of starting at Arrowhead the way last year did. So the Chiefs will go in there off of the memory of beating the Raiders at the last second on the Travis Kelsey receiving touchdown. And, you know, by then we'll know a lot about the Raiders as kind of we'll kind of figure out on the second half of this schedule like it's gonna things are gonna play out throughout the first half of the year and I don't think anybody would be surprised at all if going into week 10 the Raiders are three and six or whatever I mean you know they're they're not a very good football team and they're not they're not but this is their Super Bowl this is typically the I was gonna say this is typically the part of the schedule where they are feeling themselves like week 10 is usually like when the wheels come off. Like I don't have the numbers in front of me, Sure, but John Gruden in the second half of seasons, the last three years has just been terrible. Like, you know, the Raiders have, have been kind of in it almost until right around Thanksgiving every year. And this is, this is right around, this is going to be early November. Chiefs are going to be going in there. This is going to be the chiefs first experience with the new black hole. In Las Vegas last year, there were no fans there this year. I would expect, I haven't heard for sure, but I would expect it to be at full capacity and it'll be really interesting. It'll be really interesting to see that stadium with fans in it, what the demographics of that fan base are like, because obviously the demographics of (laughs) Raiders fans in Oakland at the Coliseum were a certain demographic. Uh, Will it be different for a stadium that it apparently is costing 500 bucks a pop to get into that's in Las Vegas where, you know, the, the bulk of the fan base is back in Oakland. I don't know. It'll be really interesting to see how much of a home field advantage they have. They are going to have that. You see, they're going to have a nightclub in one of the end zones. That's right. They're bringing Vegas to the stadium. So, I mean, that's fine for the fans. They probably are going to need some distractions to be honest with you. They probably don't want to be watching what's going on in the field most of the time. So do you uh, think there are going to be strippers in the nightclub? Boy, I sure hope so. I plan on making an attendance to the Raider stadium someday, but um, sure. No, I mean, yeah, I don't, if, I don't think could, Raj would allow that. No, he probably wouldn't. That would go against the, uh, the clean cut image that the NFL always strives to project. Well, chiefs are going to beat the Raiders at the death star. And then they're coming back home in week 11 to play the Dallas Cowboys. My least home. favorite team, your least favorite team. That isn't, you know, a, yeah. a division rival. I, I, I think it would be fair to say that it's your, your least favorite NFC team. Yeah, right? for I mean, sure. You, for sure. All by the a mile. AFC teams are, are yeah. ahead of them pretty much because they're, you know, we play them on a regular basis, but yeah, the Cowboys, we're going to know a lot about the Cowboys for sure. By week 11, these NFC East teams this year doesn't feel like quite as good a year to play them because it does feel like all the NFC East teams have at least made an attempt to improve. The Cowboys will be getting Dak Prescott back, which is obviously Huge. a huge improvement. Dan Quinn will be calling the defense for the Cowboys. And they spent, I think every single draft pick this year on the defense. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see if they've improved it at all, or if it's still the same porous unit that we saw last year, this could be a fun one though. This one sort of has the potential for, you know, an underratedly good game. If the Cowboys finally, you know, 
get their act together and deliver on the promise that we get, you know, every year in the preseason, all the hype. I would agree with that. The Cowboys are kind of the NFC's version of the Chargers. Everyone yes, always they thinks That's that exactly they're right. that they're going to do it, and they never do it, and they always blow stuff in spectacular fashion. And I mean, it's they're, a good comp. It's a good it, comp. It is, and you know, they're um, they're they're embarrassed about how last year went. The entire NFC East is. You can tell they all kind of went into this year like, man, everyone was making fun of us all year long, and for good reason. I mean, their division winner went seven and nine. So um, I do think that the Cowboys might. Uh, be the best team in the NFC East. So I think that they're probably going to come into this maybe with a little first place battle between the Cowboys and the Chiefs. And I, I look forward to this being a pretty good game. Yeah, me too. It'll be fun. And I think probably the Chiefs come out on top. Then the Chiefs get their bye weeks. So what do you we- think about week 12 bye week? Week 12 bye week. So this is the week of Thanksgiving. And obviously there's a lot of different ways that the Thanksgiving week can go. There's going to be six teams they're going to be playing on Thanksgiving. The Chiefs are not going to be one of them. They're going to be at home. And this is going to be, I, I mean, I think I like it. It's its towards the end of the season. And traditionally, I think the Chiefs under Andy Reid have really favored having a late bye week. I think I agree. the Chiefs like having a late bye week. And this is also sandwiched between two home games. So the Chiefs are going to be at home essentially for like a whole month stretch here almost. They're mm-hmm. going to have the bye week. They're going to have two home games. And in Third fact, three home games. Home games. Uh, three, yeah. three home games, yeah. yeah. So they're going to essentially be home the entire month of November, which I think is great for them to be able to rest up, recharge. And to be frank, I mean, to jump ahead, the two games coming out of the bye are the Broncos and the Raiders. Yes. It's not the Raiders this year. At least Raiders fans can't complain about getting the Chiefs out of the bye week for like (laughs) the 10th year in a row. That's right. But this year, instead, it's the Broncos. (laughs) That's our week 13 matchup at home coming off a bye against the Broncos. So, boy, they better hope that they got Aaron Rodgers as their quarterback because if they don't, <laughs> this game is going to be hella ugly. Dude, they're gonna, it's going to be ugly even if they have Rodgers, let's That's be honest. True. This That's game, traditionally, point. Broncos come into Arrowhead. It's just going to be – it's not going to be pretty for the Broncos. And this is, uh, this is the chance to extend the streak – the streak that's gone back to 2015, the streak that's been over 2000 days in the making, it's going to be <laughs> by December 5th. I mean, that's another six months from now. So, you know, there it's, it's really, uh, it's really pretty hilarious. And I just don't see that streak ending anytime soon. Um, I think this is going to be an ass kicking. Yeah, I agree. And then week 14, we just talked about the Raiders. They're going to be coming to Arrow or you know, where they're going to be coming to Arrowhead. Derek yep. Carr is going to have to deal with a capacity crowd. Which he never deals well with at capacity for Raiders fans. They will hopefully be turned away as you said, but yes, he never does well with the crowd prior to last year when he was playing in front of 17,000 fans, he had never wanted Arrowhead and his numbers there were terrible. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that, you know, crowd has everything to do with that. They obviously had a plan for the chiefs. They came out and they, they broke some tendencies big time and they caught the Chiefs by surprise. I just don't see it happening this year. It's not right after the bye, but it is two weeks after the bye. So, I mean. <laughs> and they know, still haven't been on the road in a month when they play the Raiders. So, yeah. like, they're still very rested yeah. up. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be great. Uh, after that, they played their third straight division game in a row. They're playing at the Chargers, and this one is on Thursday Night Football. So, it is a West Coast road trip on Thursday night football, traditionally, this is like one of the only situations in which our divisional opponents have a chance of beating us. So the chargers, since Andy Reid came into town 
have beaten us a total of four times. Once was week 17 last year. Doesn't Once count. was week 17 in 2013 Doesn't when the Chiefs count. were resting their starters. Once was also in 2013. So they won their first two matchups against Andy Reid. That was in November of 2013. That one counts. And it was a bar burner. The Chiefs lost on a touchdown in the last minute of the game against Phil Rivers. Breaking a Jira 2 2. A Jira 2 2. That's right. Yep. Yeah, blast from the past there. Uh, but those are the three times. And then the other time that the Chiefs lost to the Chargers was on Thursday Night Football. It was a home game. It was the return of Eric Berry in 2018. We were at that game that she's lost on a two point conversion to Mike Williams wide open in the end zone on the last play of the game with no time left. And so the chiefs are going to have to be prepared for this game, but man, I just feel like the schedule makers are like, okay, okay. We can't put the, we can't put the Raiders right out of the bye week because we do that every year and Raiders fans are always complaining about it. Like every year they're like, the schedule is rigged. We have to play the chiefs after their bye week. And so the schedule makers are like, okay, okay. We can't do that again. Raiders fans. They, they know the jig is up. Yeah. What if we put the Broncos after them and then the Raiders and then the chargers all in a row, all still right after their bye week. What if we do that? And I feel like the, the schedule makers had given the chiefs a gift even though the chiefs have to go on a short week to play the chargers. I mean, you got to play, you got to play one Thursday night football. Every, every team has to play one Thursday night football game a year. It sucks that it's a division game. I wish that it weren't, but the chiefs are going to be well-prepared for the chargers and they're coming off. Literally. This is their first road game after a month long homestand where they've been able to sleep in their own beds and drive to the stadium. And they haven't had to travel at all. So at least if you're going to have a Thursday night football game, at least you haven't had to travel in a month, you know, like I don't feel like it's that big of a deal for them to hop on a plane and play one game in a short week. And then they get a mini buy as they go into the last three games of the season and then presumably into the playoffs. I feel like this back half of the schedule from the bye week on is very favorable to the chiefs. It's favorable in a bunch of ways, including how bad most of the opponents are. I yes. mean, let's let's not forget that even if we had been talking about good teams here, it would be pretty favorable. But we're talking about the three idiots in the West and the Bengals are thrown in there and the Cowboys. And I mean, it's just not it's not a good not a good group. So, however, after the Chargers game, the one good team in the back half of the schedule does. Well, good, maybe. I don't even yeah, know. Maybe, maybe. I mean, you know, the, the Steelers are interesting. They've got. Um, potential to be good. They have some good players on their team, but we haven't really seen them put it together. And we don't really know what Ben Roethlisberger is going to be like in week 16. He's going to be like 58 years old by December. Yeah, he is. Week. He's going to age 20 years in the first 15 weeks of the season. And honestly, like that's a joke, but that does happen to old quarterbacks where it when does. they fall off a oh, cliff, they fall does. off hard. And I wouldn't be surprised if by this point, the Steelers have packed it up for the year and, and Ben's, you know, on IR with some courtesy injury instead of making them go out there every week and they're just throwing the games. So, I mean, this could be a nothing game. This could be the eighth game to end the year against a non-playoff team from last year, essentially. So it, it, it'd be fine. Um, I think the chiefs, even if the Steelers are at full power, even if Ben's looking good, and even if they've got, you know, Juju and all those guys, like I still like the chiefs in that matchup a lot. Yeah, me too. And I mean, you know, like you said, it is a it's a question mark to see what the Steelers are going to look like. Obviously, last year uh, they went, what, 11 and 0, 12 and 0, something like that. I think 11. Yeah, I think 11 straight wins before they lost to the football team. And then they just collapsed down the stretch. I mean, they finished 13 and three. But, you know, the Chiefs 
won the the buy, the single buy going away. I mean, they didn't even need the tiebreaker, which they oh. also did have. So they essentially won it by a game and a half. I mean, this is week 16. This is going to be late December. It absolutely has the potential for the Steelers to be. I mean, this was the time last year where they really struggled. And traditionally under Mike Tomlin, they have not been a very strong finishing team. They've been a pretty good they haven't actually been a very good starting team either. They usually are pretty good in the middle of their schedule and they usually have trouble at the beginning and the end. And, you know, I mean, all jokes aside, Ben Roethlisberger is going to be what, 38, 39. Um, They don't really have a backup plan for him if he's not playing well. I mean, Mason Rudolph, they extended him a year. He's terrible. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's a, it's a big ask to beat the chiefs with defense and, Ben Roethlisberger. I don't, I don't see it. I think the Chiefs are going to win that game. And then you mentioned another softy in their schedule, a fellow AFC North team, the Cincinnati Bengals in week 17. This is a road game. So they are going to have to travel to Cincinnati. The Bengals are kind of an interesting team. Obviously Joe Burrow is coming back uh, off of his knee injury. They added Jamar chase, the best wide receiver in this draft class with the fifth overall pick. They've, they've added a little bit of spice on their defense, but I don't know. I mean, the last time the Chiefs played the Bengals, it was in primetime at Arrowhead in 2018, and it was a an absolute massacre. Yeah, it was a laugher. Kareem Hunt had a huge game, and the Chiefs won 45-3 in one of the most lopsided games um, in the Mahomes era, for sure, and really one of the most lopsided ones under Andy Reid. So, and obviously, uh, personnel difference between 2018 and now is a bit different. But sure, um, Andy Dalton instead of Joe Burrow back <laughs> yeah, then. Yeah, <laughs> right. But I mean. They're not really what I would consider a game that anyone's going to circle on either side. The Bengals aren't looking at the Chiefs coming to town and thinking, oh, here's our chance. You know, I mean, they're worried about a lot more things than the Chiefs. And really, by this point, the Chiefs have a shot because of how bad the division is to have already locked things up even before the week 17 game. Yeah, totally. I mean, the West, they they will almost certainly have locked the West up. Now, whether they will clinch the one seed by week 17, less likely. But but the point is... They have already played the Ravens and the Bills, who you would expect, and the Browns, who you would expect to be probably their primary competition. I mean, maybe the top teams in the AFC. They played the Chargers twice and probably have beaten the Chargers twice. So, you know, I mean, who's to say? They could very well come into this Bengals game with nothing to nothing to do. And then, of course, the same goes for – oh, and by the way, this is back-to-back Saturday games. We don't get a lot of Saturday games on our slate. Oh, the, yeah. the, the NFL does this um, towards the end of the year. They put some games on Saturday for a little bit, you know, college football. Yeah, once over college football's over, yeah. Exactly. So this will be Bengals at Saturday – or at Bengals Saturday at noon, and then week 18, the last game of the year, the game that normally – I like to schedule a little trip out to see my buddy Austin in Denver, but we're getting a January 9th, which is typically <laughs> week one of the playoffs or yep. at least the wild card weekend. But right. no, this is, this is the week 18 game that we've never said before. And it's going to be at the Broncos. The Broncos will obviously be, you know, uh, <laughs> will be very well buried by now. And the chiefs will be coasting on the way to a playoff by. So they probably We'll have nothing to play for here either. We probably won't get to talk about a juicy matchup in mile high, but I guess you never know. Yeah. I mean, the biggest juice in this game is going to be whether the chiefs backups can keep the streak alive. Yes. You know, I mean, it's going to be, oh, thir- it's going to be that. 13 straight coming into this game. I believe, isn't it 12 right now? Uh, I think it's 11 right now. Maybe it is 12. 
Let's see. Oh, no, because it was the second game of 2015 where they started. So it's an odd number. I think it's 11. Yeah, so it's 11. It's 11. So, yeah. so it'll be at 12 coming into this game because obviously we're going to beat the Broncos at Arrowhead. So obviously. Chiefs will have won 12 straight over the Broncos coming into this game. And then the drama is going to be whether the Chiefs backups can play against Denver starters and keep the streak alive against the fighting Teddy Bridgewaters. And uh, I don't know, that'll, that'll be some interesting, that'll be some interesting drama for sure. You know, whether the chiefs backups can win on the road. Well, the last time time time, (laughs) I was going to say the last time the chiefs played their backups on the road at Denver, (laughs) it worked out pretty well and it started everything. That was Patrick Mahomes in his first NFL start. And ever since that day, it's been always sunny in chiefs kingdom.